Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Luca DeLosta. And I'm Zach Green. In today's episode, we will be going over our week one NFL predictions. Yes, the NFL is back. Recapping the Thursday night football game NFL kickoff of the Buffalo Bills versus the Los Angeles Rams. Talking about the U.S. Open situation right now. Going over the Donovan Mitchell trade. Talking about some new MLB rules for the upcoming seasons. And going over our games of the week and matches of the week. Let's get right into it. Alright, Luca, let's start off with the NFL predictions for this Sunday. Today Saturday. Patriots at Dolphins. So I'll start. I think Miami will take this one. I don't think it'll be that high scoring as both teams will need to work some stuff out. Especially Miami with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Tua all playing together in their first game. I think that... Tyreek will have a pretty good game stat-wise. I think he'll probably get a touchdown or two. But I don't think it'll be the overall what we're going to see down the line. Potentially that's true, but you never know. Bill Belichick, despite losing J.C. Jackson this offseason, could pull something out of a hat and lock up this Miami defense. They still have a lot of work to breed each other together and get uh, chemistry going. So it, it definitely won't probably be that high scoring, but I'm with you. I'm, I have Miami winning that one. And let's take it down to New York. Your Baltimore Ravens facing the New York football Jets. What do you think will happen? I'm on the boat with what everybody seems to be on. It's the Ravens should easily win this game. Obviously, Lamar Jackson didn't get his contract yesterday, still going to play this season. J.K. most likely won't play. Marcus Peters questionable. Ronnie Stanley, doubtful. A lot of big players missing, but I think the Ravens should easily get this one done. I think Rashad Bateman will have increased volume, as most people expect, but I don't think he'll have that amazing season. I think I still think he needs to work into the wide receiver one, as I don't think he is really fitting of that role yet. I'd probably guess the Jets would score a little more if they had Zach Wilson in there. I really, I really like Braxton Berrios. I think he'll be pretty good this year. Garrett Wilson, of course, the rookie... Michael Carter, Brees Hall, they have a really young, good good team. So I think the Jets will probably lose this game as expected, but we're not out of the question yet. And let's move it on to a game you are very looking forward to. It's the Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals. I want to hear your predictions first. So call me biased, but I think the Bengals will take this by at least two-plus touchdowns. That new offensive line, all the Bengals have done this offseason is improve. Yes, they lost Larry Ogunjobi, who, who they will be facing this year, actually, in this game. And, I mean, the Bengals are just, the offense is unmatchable. The Steelers, I mean, you have Cameron Sutton, James Pierre, you have Minka back there as safety. But if they really want to focus on the receivers, that opens the hole for Joe Mixon. And I think... If I remember, he had about 170 yards last game they played. So it's really pick your poison like Joe Burrow said. I'm with you. I think the Bengals will win this game, but I'm more on the side that this game will be a little bit closer than two scores. I could be totally wrong. You've highlighted their offense, and they have all the offensive power in the league. But I think the Steelers could get to Joe Burrow a little quicker despite Cincinnati having that improved offensive line. And we don't know. Mitch Trubisky hasn't played as a starter in 
over a season. So it will be interesting to see him come out, George Pickens, a lot of new players on this Steelers team to look out for. And watch out for Dax Hill. He is scary good. Let's take it down to Texas where we have the Colts at Texans. The Colts will most likely win, but I think it'll be closer than people think. Brandon Cooks is set up to have a really good year. Davis Mills is a little underrated. He could really break out this year into a good, maybe top 15 quarterback. We'll see. Damian Pierce has everything going the right way. No one to compete with. I think he'll get a lot of volume this year. And I think Jonathan Taylor in this game will prove why he was the number one pick in fantasy football. I don't know, though. The Colts are 1-9 in their last 10 Week 1 matchups. And I'm with you. Davis Mills is heavily underrated as a quarterback. Didn't get a much spotlight because the Texans just weren't a successful team last year. But I think the Col- or the Texans will squeak this win out. As you said, Damian Pierce is set up for a, a lot of success. Brandon Cooks is set up for a very, very solid season. And I don't think Matt Ryan is truly the biggest upgrade that everybody's saying he is from Carson Wentz. I mean, he's at the end of his career, and Carson Wentz wasn't all horrible last year except in that final regular season game. I agree with you there. Let's take it down to the Jaguars at the Washington Commanders. First game as the Commanders should be a pretty fun one to watch. I think it can go either way. I think... The Jaguars can win. I think the Commanders can win for a multitude of reasons. The Jaguars went 0-4 in the preseason, so that's a little little not promising there. But the Commanders have the defense. It's just how will they play? Because we were in the same situation last year where the Commanders were looking to be a top-five defense roster-wise, and they just did not perform up to that level. I mean, of course, Chase Young went down in the middle of the season. So that not going to be there this them. week either. But... The Jaguars have the weapons. They got Christian Kirk. They completely overpaid him. Travis Etienne back. James Robinson will probably be a little bit of the loop this week. The Jaguars' defense is, you know, a little iffy. They lost Miles Jack to the Steelers, but this could be a fun game to watch. Could go either way. Exactly. It could go either way, and someone on that Jaguars' defense who's looked very solid throughout preseason is that number one overall pick from this year's draft. Trayvon Walker could get a lot of pressure. To Carson Wentz in that backfield for Washington. But Washington does have a lot of options on the offense. I mean, Jahan Dotson, I'm really high on. I mean, they still have scary Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson, I don't really know the situation with him. It's really unfortunate. Brian Robinson's not going to be there, of course, to his injury. But it really could go either way. And this year is a very big step that this commander's defense could take because as you said they had a lot of hype going into last year and just didn't live up to it completely agree with that commander's defense analysis let's take it down to the chicago bears where the san francisco 49ers will travel luke i want to hear what you have to say i think you and i are pretty much on the same boat with this one i mean the bears just aren't a team that has built themselves up for success whereas San Francisco has. I mean, Trey Lance is a big question mark. People don't really know which way he's going to go. There's a very high ceiling, but also could be a very low floor. Brandon Ayuk is set up to have a really good season. Debo is also now getting that extension earlier this year, probably going to be in the mix a lot. But 
in, when you talk about Chicago, the big problem is their offensive line. You send Justin Fields running the entire game. He doesn't have the opportunity to throw to players like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. I mean, David Montgomery's not going to be a very big factor probably this year if they don't get their offensive line situated. The 49ers are set up in that division really well. They have the Rams, and then you look at the Cardinals, who could go either way this year, and then the Seahawks, who, I mean, we can all pretty much agree that's just a big joke of a team right now at the moment. But the 49ers can really, like you said, the really low floor. They could, I mean, I could see Jimmy Garoppolo coming back in week seven or eight. That's not out of the question. I think they'll probably give Trey Lance a couple weeks. I mean, it's his first game, so they're not going to be... I mean, so completely hard on him. He should live up to the height that he's expected. But the Bears are just, I mean, the old line is terrible. The D-line, Robert Quinn wants out of there. He rescinded his trade, but he just doesn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to play there either. There's a team in a bad situation right now. I mean, they do have a new coaching, a new coach coming in. It was the former defensive coordinator of the Colts. But they are just their division got better while they regressed, and they just have they just don't look like a team in anyone's eyes that's going to be successful this season. And Nick Bosa should have a pretty good game this Sunday. And now moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, a team that a lot of people are very high on. I'm not incredibly high on them I do think they will have an improved season but I think the Eagles should easily win this game I mean you talk about improvements to the secondary they did that improvements to the wide receiver court they did that Jalen Arch apparently has improved as a passer and they have one of the best offensive lines if not the best offensive line in in the NFL I think everything just matches up perfectly in favor of Philadelphia Definitely. James Bradbury has gone under the radar a little bit. A.J. Brown's first game as an Eagle. I mean, they ended the season last year really, really well. Jalen Hurts in fantasy. I mean, he went off. Miles Sanders said don't draft him in fantasy, so we'll see how he does in the game. Kenneth Gainwell will be in the mix. Devonta Smith is just, I mean, he's a weapon. He's an athlete. You have Dallas Goddard, who's a patch-catching machine. Jalen Hurts has a lot of weapons this year, and he can really do whatever he wants, so I think the Eagles will probably win this game. But the Lions will be much better than last year, and Amon Ross St. Brown is really fun to watch. They have DJ Chark now, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, so we'll see how all that plays out. And don't forget Aiden Hutchinson. And Jeff Okuda is going to be coming back off injury, which this year is really a test year for him. It's, it's, it's make or break for him in his NFL career, honestly. But I do think that this Eagles team is too good, and my prediction is they win the NFC East. Let's take it down to Atlanta, where the Saints travel to the Falcons. And the Saints could very well win the NFC South. And they could. I mean, Michael Thomas coming back, big question mark. He might not play this week because he's dealing with hamstring issues already, but we can both agree that the Falcons are just not a very solid team. I mean, Marcus Mariota is not... A QB one in and in my books at least, and they don't have many options. Obviously, Calvin Ridley out. I don't think that this is a good matchup for them. Michael Thomas coming back, Jarvis Landry they signed, Tyron Matthew, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. I mean, another team this year with a lot of weapons. And look at the Eagles. I mean, I think most of the stem. Look at the Bengals. They brought up all like this 
multitude of type of offense where you have all these weapons, a good running back. That's exactly what the Saints have. Alvin Kamara, all these receivers, and I think Jameis Winston coming back, he could be pretty good. Very strong favorite for comeback player of the year. So we will see. I think the Saints most likely win this game by at least 10. Let's take it down to the Carolina Panthers where the Cleveland Browns will travel to play their old QB, Mr. Baker Mayfield or Faker Mayfield. CMC back healthy for as long as we know. I mean, he got hurt in practice by a cleat cut. He should be fine. The Browns offense is pretty much in question. Amari Cooper, if he see how he is, probably would be better off with Deshaun Watson. Denzel Ward now being the highest-paid cornerback. He'll have to live up to that hype. And that Browns defense secondary. Jeremiah Oruso-Koromoa, he's very good. Josh Johnson. Greg Newsom. They're a very solid secondary. But as you said, until Deshaun Watson comes back, they're just going to hold on and pray and hope that Jacoby Brissett can get them a couple of wins in the first 11 weeks. And now to the Tennessee Titans versus the New York Giants. Titans went off pretty sad last year to the Bengals when King Henry's return. The Giants could surprise some people this season, maybe. Saquon Barkley will have a lot of volume. He could probably be the RB1 this year. Daniel Jones, uh, he's just really average. He's nothing spectacular. Coming out of Duke, he was never really that good looked upon. The Titans, I think, will steamroll this game. Traylon Burks will have a good first game. Robert Woods. But the Titans aren't going to be the hottest thing this year. They probably might get the wild card, but... And they're already down a player. I mean, Harold Landry already tore his ACL before in the preseason. But I'm with you. There's just nobody on this Giants defense that I can see stop Derrick Henry. And that's why I believe that the Titans should easily walk over this by a score a margin win of 10 or more. So, coming to that, the Raiders and Chargers in the AFC West, the Titans, I mean, if they don't win the AFC South, it's a very hard road for them because they have the Colts in that division. And then, I mean, the AFC wildcard spots are going to be taken up by the AFC West most likely. So, it's just, it's really hard road. But Raiders and Chargers, like we said, week 18 last year was a great game. Chargers kind of messed up at the end. But, I mean, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams reunited. Darren Waller just a couple hours ago got a three-year, $51 million extension. Josh Jacobs in there, Hunter Renfro. This should be a fun game. And Justin Herbert, who could get MVP this year. And I think that the Raiders will win this game because of one player not being there. And it's J.C. Jackson. And nobody understands how much J.C. Jackson is talented as a cornerback. And with Devontae Adams, even with Asante Samuel, who was very solid last year, inexperienced versus a very experienced and arguably the best wide receiver in the game, I think the best wide receiver, Devontae Adams, wins that battle and carries this Raiders offense. Let's move it down to the Minnesota Vikings versus the Green Bay Packers. The Packers team looks much different this year without number 17, like we just said. Alan Lazard will most likely not play tomorrow. So it'll be a hard game on Aaron Rodgers. Still have Christian Watson, who's hurt right now, I think. Romeo Dubes. I mean, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will have a very strong game. 
the Vikings, you know, with Andrew Booth Jr., they have a improved defense. So it'll be interesting. I think Justin Jefferson versus the Green Bay secondary will be a really fun matchup to watch. I think that's your matchup of the week that we'll get into later. But Adam Thielen back, he's really, really good in the slot. I think he's he's just really fun to watch. But I think the Vikings will take this. Again, I'm totally opposite of you. I think that Aaron Rodgers, no matter who is around him, will get it done. Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs for a reason. He is such a talented quarterback. He can use his legs. He's so smart. But I think it's going to come down to this Packers defense, which is probably the best defense they have seen in many years. And I think they have the best secondary in football. Well, that is a hot take. Chiefs at Cardinals, what are you thinking here? I think Patrick Mahomes does it. Again, it's kind of the same argument. No matter who is around Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is incredibly talented, and he still has players like Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be healthy. He has options, but their defense is just not it. But they are lucky because, I mean, D-Hop's obviously out, and they just don't have an offense to go against. I agree with you there, but let's take it down to the Buccaneers at the Dallas Cowboys. This game was the first Sunday night fo- first Thursday night football game last year, so these teams meet again in week one. But Tom Brady, number one in NFL's top 100 list. The Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb is going to have a great year. Dalton Schultz will have a great year. Zeke will have a Probably pretty good year as he'll get a lot of end zone targets. But the Tampa Bay defense is just nasty. And they have Tom Brady. I mean, nobody can seem to stop Tom Brady. And he has one of the most loaded offenses he's ever had. So I think the Buccaneers win by seven. And then the final game of the week, the Broncos at Seahawks. Is this even a question? The Broncos will probably win by at least 10, maybe 17. The Seahawks, Geno Smith as a QB1 is just not a good thing going for them. DK Metcalf will probably have a decent season with the quarterback he has. Tyler Lockett, I think, will retire in a couple of years. Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker will be pretty good, but the Broncos are just set up this year. All Everyone's saying they're a quarterback away, and I believe that too. I don't think they're going to be so hot out the gate like most of these teams. It's their first year together all together. So. But I think the Broncos will definitely take this win easily. And I, I, I think the Broncos should easily win this one as well. As you said, they were only a quarterback away are the Broncos from a, a, really, a, a really good offense. And the Seahawks defense is just its a complete joke. With the exit of Bobby Wagner, they quite literally have no star power on that defense except for maybe Jamal Adams. Well, if you're talking about Bobby Wagner, let's move into the Bills versus Rams Thursday night football. What a fun game to watch. The first game of the 2022-2023 NFL season. The defending Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams, hosted the Bills. And Andrew Whitworth and Odo Beckham Jr. hyped up the crowd, showing the Lombardi Trophy and unveiling the Super Bowl banner to the SoFi crowd as they cheered. But this game was pretty much in the Bills' control throughout. The first drive, Josh Allen was 5-for-5, capped off the drive with how they did last year, passing it to Gabe Davis, 26-yard touchdown. And he went 10-for-10 before he uh, completed a pass, which was a pick, which is another story. 
But, Luca, what do you like from the Bills' offense this game? You put it perfectly. Josh Allen is on route for a MVP season. If he plays like he did in this Rams game, he's going to be incredible. I mean, you look at it, he went 26 for 31, 297 pass yards, I mean, one rushing, three passing touchdowns. Everything went right, and it's because Josh Allen is incredible. Let's talk about Stephon Diggs. Eight catches on nine targets, 122 yards, a, a touchdown, which was 53 yards, as he ran right by Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey on the stat chart, six targets, six catches. He was looking very bad last night. I mean, he wasn't looking terrible, terrible, but nothing like that all-pro cor- all corner that we're used to seeing. Definitely not, and that's something he wants to turn around because he's a huge part of this defense. But let's go to Cooper Cup. Despite having the Rams only putting up 10 points and not having a very good game, Cooper Cup put up an incredible stat line, and fantasy managers have to be happy, especially if it's PPR. I mean, he put up 31 fantasy points in PPR. 13 catches, 15 targets, 128 yards, a toe-tat touchdown. What else can you ask for? He is just amazing. He's not the most physically gifted wide receiver, but the way with his footwork, and he just gets open, 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 and the offense is perfectly set up around him. I mean, Cam Akers, three carries, zero yards. Darrell Henderson had a pretty good game, 13 carries, 47 yards, as well as five catches for 26 yards. He'd probably get more carries if it was a closer game. They were kind of forced to pass. Like I talked about, makes them one-dimensional. Allen Robinson, two targets, one catch for 12 yards. Sean McVay, after the game, said that he wants to get him more involved. But I think the story of the game was his Bills defensive line. Matthew Stafford got sacked seven times. And I think a big part of this, I could be totally wrong, but I think a big factor was the absence of Andrew Whitworth. His leadership role on this offensive line, it just it helps so much, and it's I think it's underrated. And so that's something they got to fix, especially if Matthew Stafford was already dealing with injuries in the preseason. I'm going to run through a couple things here fast. The Bills had three interceptions. They had picks by Mr. Jordan Poyer, Dane Jackson, and Boogie Basham. As long as the Rams had two picks with Troy Hill and Terrell Lewis for the Rams. Their two sacks were Bobby Wagner and Aaron Donald. But I think the Rams will probably recover from this game. The Bills, I mean, this is what we expected from them, and it's only up from here for them. But it was was a fun game to watch, and I'm glad it did. And with... That, let's move into the U.S. Open Men's Final, which will happen tomorrow, Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and will feature Carlos Alcaraz of Spain and Casper Ruud of Norway. Two guys, if you looked at the bracket at the beginning, I would have never said would be here. Well, let's go into that. I mean, Rafael Nadal lost to Tiafo of D.C., our native... I mean, that is just, that was a big upset. Tiafo played great. That was a long game to watch. It went about four or five hours. That was a long game. And Tiafo yesterday almost, almost squeaked out a win against the 19-year-old Alcaraz out of Spain. Couldn't get it done, but he said he will be back to win one of these one day. 
and I really hope he will because he's only 24. He's a lot to play for and a lot ahead of him. But let's move more towards this final. And both of these guys, it's their first U.S. Open final. I'm pretty sure Rude has been to a Grand Slam final, and so this will be his second Grand Slam final. But I think Rude will win this. I mean, you look at his past games. He played shorter games. Alcaraz has played all five sets the last three matches. So that's, you talk about five sets, that could go up three, four hours of playing back to back to back, and he's still only 19 years old. I think Rude wins this one. I have to agree with you there. Let's move on to the Donovan Mitchell trade to the Cleveland Cavaliers. My Cleveland Cavs got that score they needed. Donovan Mitchell was traded to them in exchange for the Cavs got Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz get, it's a long one, Laurie Markkinen, Colin Sexton, Ochai Agabaji, who was a rookie they drafted, three unprotected first-round picks in the years of 2025, 2027, and 2029, and then two pick swaps in the years of 2026 and 2028. The Jazz is off getting rid of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, but they got a lot in return. They're in rebuild mode. But the Cavs are going for the championship, and they have a number of years to do it. I mean, they just signed Darius Garland, or re-signed him this past year. Donovan Mitchell still has a number of years still on his contract, and they have four of their five starters are all-stars. So as a Wizards fan, I did not want to see this coming. It's another team in the Eastern Conference to kind of prevent the Wizards from even squeaking in. But I think this is going to be a great trade for the Cavs. It gives them one of the best backcourts in the NBA, if not the best backcourt in the NBA. And Donovan Mitchell, as you said, is that scorer they need. So let's go over the Cavs starting lineup for this coming year, which is a most likely prediction. Point guard Donovan Mitchell, shooting guard Darius Garland, small forward Isaac Okoro or Karis LeVert, most likely Isaac Okoro though, power forward Evan Mobley should have been rookie of the year, and center Jared Allen. I mean, that's just, I mean, you arguably have the best power forward center duo in the league. Look at Cat and Rudy Gobert now though, but I mean, Evan Mobley just a rook, was a rookie last year. It's only up from the Cavs, and I really like this team. And that Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, they can be interchangeable at point guard, shooting guard. I mean, Darius Garland with the ball is incredible. Donovan Mitchell can give you 40, 40 points one night, go 30 points the next night, go back to 40 the night after. It's literally exactly what the Cavs needed, and, I mean, they got it done. Moving on to another sport this episode, the MLB rule changes for the 2023-2024 season. And this just happened yesterday. The MLB's competition committee voted on adding a pitch clock, banning defensive shifts, and increasing the base sides per Jeff Passan. A lot of controversy, especially when it comes to pitch clock and banning defensive shifts among players who are in this committee. Seems like they all didn't want it, but it seemed like it was a unanimous for bigger bases. I don't know what it's going to be like, but could you go over the uh, pitch clock? So the pitch clock rule gives a pitcher 15 seconds to pitch when the bases are empty. However, if players are on the base, the clock increases by 5 to 20 seconds. But I really want to talk about the bases increasing because that can really help with insult to injury. When a player, like a first baseman's ankle is on the base and a runner steps on it, I mean, that's happened a lot, and that can be really bad. 
And definitely. So that that is why I think it was unanimous from everybody in that committee to, to increase the base size. It's for safety of the players. But the other two, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of this pitch clock. I get they want the game to keep going, like they want to move on with the game. But I mean, it's not like pitchers are taking forty five seconds each pitch. And so I'm not a big fan of that. And then the banning the defensive shifts. <sighs> I think that one, you're going to just have to see. I mean, it just puts the ability for the batter to really control where the ball goes in his hands. All right, let's move on to our final part, our games and matches of the week. For my game of the week, like we said, I had the Chiefs versus Cardinals. The Chiefs have lost some weapons but gained some, and the same goes for the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins suspended. They lost Christian Kirk. Who will win? That's a good matchup. Mine is the Raiders and Chargers. As we talked about it earlier, it should be a great matchup, and it is obviously a divisional matchup to start week one. And then my matchup of the week, the new Cincinnati Bengals offensive line with Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins, and rookie Cordell Vosen, who's been very good in camp, versus the Steelers D-line with T.J. Watt and Cameron Hayward. T.J. Watt played one game last year versus the Bengals, didn't get a sack. So it'll be a very interesting matchup in the trenches. And another football matchup is mine that we talked about it earlier as well. Justin Jefferson versus that Packers star-studded secondary. Again, I had the hot take. I think that the Packers have the best secondary in football. But Justin Jefferson is many people's offensive player of the year. So with that, good luck to everyone's fantasy team for the season. And this week, that has been Zach Green. Luca DeLosta, thank you for listening.